Welcome to the Muckle Teal Football Show. My name is Miles. The San Francisco 49ers defeat the Los Angeles Chargers 19 to 16. Was a I don't want to say an ugly game because it's not like there's a bunch of turnovers and a bunch of sloppy play, but it was just kind of a restrained game. Um Justin Herbert in that Joe Lombardi offense that just close to the line of scrimmage offense with a quarterback who has a cannon for an arm. It's very frustrating. I don't know if it's pure scheme at this point. It's also personnel. But, uh, you know, Justin Herbert kind of finally looked like the guy at Oregon, <laughs> you know, when, when he was in college. Like when you, you know, everything, the, all the tools are there. It starts with a beautiful flick of the wrist touchdown to Carter, but then there's just nothing else the rest of the game. And you're like, wait, why, why did they lose this game? You know, you're just watching check downs and incomplete passes the rest of the day. This, what that was Justin Herbert at Oregon. Why I could never understand how, how it was so hard to resolve in my mind, how the Justin Herbert of the last two years was that guy at Oregon. Well, tonight we saw him, we saw, we saw the duck. <laughs> we saw Justin Herbert as a duck. Um, Though, I mean, you got to admit, there's no weapons out there for him. And I still think that if you get Justin Herbert two to three good receivers, uh, he is going to win MVP. Um, that's going to happen. So 49ers are the winners, though. They go to five and four. The the super talented team that nobody cares what their record is <laughs> because just as long as they get in the playoffs. Um, gosh, so many great players on this team and defense was great today. Nick Bosa was everywhere. Fred Warner, um, actually Fred Warner, you know, who was kind of the new Bobby Wagner, you know, the best middle linebacker in the game. He was like blitzing up the middle on those last, those last like two drives. The chargers had two potential game winning drives at the end down by three, then down by six. And they just couldn't get either of them going. You know, they just couldn't even get a first down on them. And Warner was like lining up like in the defensive tackle spot. Pretty interesting. I thought that was really cool. Um, people were pointing that out on the on the interwebs. Um, but with the charge, with all the Chargers injuries and everything that they had go wrong on offense and defense, you know, the broadcast was talking about they literally like are down to only three defensive linemen. Why didn't San Francisco dominate this game? <laughs> You know, I mean, I love their, their identity of running and defense. You know, they had Elijah Mitchell out there a lot. Um, but I just, why didn't they win this game convincingly? This team could be a juggernaut if not for Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, yes, I know. Jimmy Garoppolo gets every ex single excuse in the world. You know, Jawan Thompson's gets a five-yard catch runs it seven yards, yards after catch for a third and 12 and NFL.com titled that play, Jimmy Garoppolo making plays like <laughs> the tight end got seven of the, of the 12 yards and it's titled Jimmy Garoppolo making plays. I mean, the, the Atlantic's headline right now is Garoppolo's efficiency is the 49ers glue. Like IU catches a screen pass. It's Jimmy, Jimmy G hits Ayuk for a touchdown. It's like, I don't know. The offense has Trent Williams at, at left tackle. I have George Kittle at tight end. They have Christian McCaffrey. They have Debo Samuel. They got Brandon Ayuk. 
Jimmy G is always being commended for managing to be an average offense. With these players, though, I've said this analogy before, but this it feels like what if Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback of the Rams in 1999, 2000, and 2001? His running backs, Marshall Falk, his receivers are Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt. And people were just like, you know, he's got some good games and some real high passing efficiency numbers. He's a good quarterback. Never knowing that there's an alternate timeline where this team's actually good. Actually really, really good. Actually greatest show on turf good. Instead, we're just complimenting Jimmy G's pretty good passing efficient. He's the glue. Um, obviously, I'm a Seahawks fan, so take all this with a grain of salt. Um, but yeah, Chargers roll it back. They'll be actually back in Sunday Night Football next week. That was flexed in. This time it'll be the Chiefs. Uh, so round uh, six, I believe, between Herbert and Mahomes. Hopefully, Herbert gets some weapons back. Uh, and the 49ers are off to Mexico City to take on the Cardinals, which I think should be fun. Muckle Teal Football Show shows football everything. NFL history, legacy, ups and downs of a season. Follow us at MUK underscore football on Twitter or YouTube. Uh, subscribe, share, review on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you get your podcasts. We have shows Sunday after Sunday Night Football, Monday after Monday Night Football, and Thursday after Thursday Night Football. And today, week 10 is mostly in the books. We got Commanders and Eagles tomorrow. We're going to do the Sunday Best Awards. Just kind of ping-ponging through what has happened on this, this fine Sunday here. It's been a long Sunday. Got up at 6.30 a.m. Uh, to catch the Seahawks Bucks. Uh, and then all the way down to the Chargers 49ers game we just talked about. But um, we'll just ping-pong around. Tomorrow, after Monday Night Football, we'll review that game and then talk some more in-depth winners and losers for Week 10. Figuring to talk a little bit more heavily about the Packers-Cowboys on that game uh, on that episode. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, so let's get right into it. Sunday Best Awards. The John Denver Legacy Award goes to the crowd at the Munich Germany Stadium in the game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Seattle Seahawks this morning or night for them. Um, it's pretty cool. They were, you know, Rich Eisen was the announcer. He was talking the whole time about how how excited and loud the German crowd was, and they were singing in commercial breaks. He said that over and over again. And finally, we got back. The Buccaneers are in their four-minute drill grinding out the game, and they're just singing, Take me home, country road, to the place I belong. And the Buccaneers are uh, one first down away. And they the German crowd is still belting, Take me home, as Rashad White got that 18-yard run off the right side, off the right tackle, to seal the game against my Seahawks. It was really cool. I mean... It made for good TV. The crowd was so pumped and they stayed there and they were singing. Uh, it was way better than the English crowds. Uh, so <laughs> my my allegiance is with the German crowds uh, for as far as NFL fandom. It was pretty cool. And I'm glad that we were able to give them a good game. And, and by we, I mean the Seattle Seahawks, because uh, it looked like it was going to be a blowout. Uh, we made it interesting. We intercepted Tom Brady um, near the near the I think there's like the four five minute mark of the uh, uh, left of the game. Uh, and actually, that was Brady's first interception in 399 attempts. 
three short of Rogers' record, 402, that he set uh, in 2018. So that was pretty cool. We ended that. Take that, Brady. Uh, then Gino got that fourth and one touchdown. There's that really low percentage throw, but beautiful pass. Dropping it into Marquise Goodwin. So we made it a game. We, we forced Brady to have to do, have to drain the rest of the clock with a big drive. And he did. He did. Credit to him. He's the GOAT. But I'm just glad that the Seahawks made it a game for that great German crowd. Um, and and the Buccaneers are being praised. You know, they're back. They're back. They finally committed to running the ball. It's like, first of all, the cognitive dissonance. Like, <laughs> there was a 13-yard catch by Chris Godwin for a first down. There was a 17-yard catch by Julio Jones for first down on that final drive. Like, those count, too. They didn't just run it well, you know. They didn't or didn't, didn't just run it more. They ran it well, and they still needed to start making those completions, which they weren't doing earlier. Um, but pretty amazing. It was cool. Just John Denver, Neil Diamond, White Stripes. Uh, they And it wasn't just the Germans like enjoying American culture or Americanizing. You know, it was really cool to see all the stuff with the beer gardens and the foods that they have and just the history of, of, of love of sports in Germany. Certainly soccer, what they call football, um, is, is the big one. But just the passion that they have there is really cool. And, I mean, it's just amazing if you think about it, the whole thing. The wheels of time, that is. You know, my great uncle... My grandfather's brother died fighting Germany, and here I am at 6.30 a.m. in my underwear streaming an NFL game in Germany, and they're blasting John Denver back at me as they watch an NFL game live and cheer on a game-sealing run from Rashad White. It all led to this. All right, next award. The Football Gods Will Not Abide Award. Goes to the Minnesota Vikings and the Buffalo Bills, and I, I just I was joking this whole time. I think Kirk and I in the preview actually said that the Vikings Bills Super Bowl would be like the <laughs> neither team is able to win it because the Bills are 0 four in the Super Bowl, the Vikings are 0 four in the Super Bowl. Um, so maybe this was a preview of that. Be pretty cool. This was maybe the game of the year. I honestly think it might be it. This was incredible. Um, the bills were ahead 27, 10. It looked like it was going to be a blowout, but the witching hour came, you know, Scott Hansen on red zones always says that. And he's always right. Uh, the Vikings came back. I think it was 27, 23 and they've got the ball. They're down four, 27, 23 Buffalo gets their money's worth. Vaughn Miller gets a third down sack, makes a fourth and 18. You're thinking, gosh, there he is. There's Vaughn Miller. I guess the Bills are going to win, but the Bills can't win it that easy because then it's fourth and 18. Kirk Cousins throws that Justin Jefferson catch. We're all, we've all seen it. It's almost like so good of a catch that people aren't even respecting how important that was. It was fourth and 18. <laughs> it's incredible. And he catches it with one hand, has to kind of pin it against the Buffalo player and then bring it in as he falls down. Just amazing awareness of where his body is and where the ball was. Justin Jefferson, absolute beast. Gets him to the one yard line uh, with a couple other plays because then they, they throw it to Jefferson again and Jefferson again. Good job, Kirk Cousins. Gets in the one yard line. You're thinking, okay, Vikings going to punch this in. But no, <laughs> the Vikings are at fourth and goal. They pass the ball. Dalvin Cook bobbles it, bobbles it, turnover on downs. 
But there's a penalty. A penalty on the Bills. It's fourth and goal. This time, they decide to QB sneak it up the middle, and they're stuffed. Turnover on downs. And I bring that part up because I'm just really glad for once. There's no result pointing. No result finger pointing on that that sequence there. The, oh, you should have ran it. Why do they never run it? You know, they can't say, that crowd can't say anything. Their run got stuffed. Kirk Cousins didn't get anything. But then the, why do you just run it into a pile, people like me? We can't say anything either because the pass went wrong. Dalvin Cook bobbled it. (laughs) So, you know, no finger pointing. I like that. Uh, So the Bills get it on turnover on downs. All they got to do is kneel. But the Bills can't win it that easy. (laughs) The game is over. If he kneels, Josh Allen fumble, fumbles a kneel down. The Vikings score the touchdown. And you're thinking, oh, my God, they got the touchdown anyway. But the Vikings can't win that easy. (laughs) This game, 51 seconds left. Josh Allen drives him for a field goal, an absolute clinic, 12 yards, 8 yards, 20 yards, 15 yards, and a comfortable field goal. That was amazing. That was like the Josh Allen versus Mahomes type thing. His own little version of of 13 seconds there, though he had more uh, time. I understand that. Vikings win the toss. And it was this was a good game because... I I legitimately thought with the way the defenses were playing that who wins the coin flip wasn't really the game. You know, that's the complaint about the the Mahomes Allen thing, right? Is a coin flip for the win the game. The defenses were making plays. So it wasn't like that this time. Vikings get it. Uh and credit to Kirk Cousins, man. G- throw it to Justin Jefferson. And <laughs> And he did. I uh, got a you know a couple of passes to him, and then a third and ten. He does a twenty-four yarder to the to the two-yard line, and you think, okay, Justin Jefferson's done it again. <laughs> it's overtime. Same thing as regulation. He's got one hundred and ninety-three yards now. They're at the two. God, Justin Jefferson was incredible in this game. Side award, unlikely trade regret award goes to the city of Buffalo about Justin Jefferson because. Justin Jefferson was traded in a way they traded the pick that turned into Justin Jefferson to the Vikings for Stefan Diggs. And you can't say that Stefan Diggs has been anything short of a triumph for the Buffalo Bills. I mean, at, he's at stretches. He's looked like the best wide receiver in the NFL. He was good in this game. 16 targets, 12 receptions, 128 yards. Diggs is great. Yet. <laughs> I bet a few Buffalo fans were watching this game going, God, it'd be nice to have Justin Jefferson. He's younger. He's honestly maybe a little better at this point. It's just, I don't know. It's funny to me. It's an unlikely trade regret that Diggs has been such a success, yet there could even be a tinge of regret because another player is that good. Gets him to the two-yard line. Jefferson is 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 beside himself because then (laughs) the Vikings can't win that easy. Dalvin cook gets pushed back in a three yard loss. Then Kirk cousins gets sacked. They're at the 15 yard line after Jefferson had again, set them up. They kick a field goal. There's three minutes left in overtime. So you're thinking, okay, bills, bills got it there. Josh Allen and the bills will certainly get a touchdown in three minutes, but they don't. The bills can't win that easy. They drive eventually ends in Patrick Peterson touchdown or Peter Patrick Peterson interception um, in an an honestly baffling decision by Josh Allen. That that was weird. I'll have more tomorrow 
about Alan's elbow and his uh, his inability to protect himself and just his kind of uh, decision making over the last little bit here. But I really want to take some time on that game, and I'm glad I did. The Vikings and Bills was fantastic. That was the most fun of the day uh, in my mind. All right, I got two more awards. The Whiplash Award goes to the discourse around Justin Fields. <laughs> the Chicago Bears keep losing. Robbed in Miami last week. They blow a lead at home to Detroit this week. But it doesn't feel like it. You know, because there's something exciting happening at quarterback in Chicago for the first time since, I guess, since they traded for Jay Cutler and maybe some of the Cutler good stretches. Maybe even more dramatically, maybe the first time since Sid Luckman, their 1940s Hall of Fame quarterback. Justin Fields is having a time. He's making it happen with his legs. He had 178 yards last week. That was a record rushing yardage uh, a game for a quarterback, the most ever. This week, he has 147 rushing yards, which is the seventh most all-time rushing yards by a quarterback. Top seven all-time, back-to-back. And, t- and feel he's not just purely on the ground. You know, he has fields has five passing touchdowns in these last two games during this rushing uh, uh, tirade. So the Justin Fields potential versus bust conversations are happening online, which is already prone to fits of fancy. Like every play <laughs> fields has the couple touchdowns of Cole Komet. People are saying, always oh, announced himself as the king, the king of the 2021 class. Then he throws that pick six, the one where it was a screen pass and Fields kind of tried to make something happen after the screen pass was covered, which you just, you just don't do. Throws a pick, Akuda runs it back. Everyone's saying, this is the same guy it's always been. All you people hyping on Fields, you're a bunch of idiots. And then the next drive, Fields gets that huge run right up the middle, right up the gut. For a 67-yard touchdown. And <laughs> then the opposite crowd is weighing in. It's just real whiplash. But I guess it is online. It's best to just ignore it. All right, next award. Great sound effect for this. <laughs> this is the Let's Dial It Back Award to the Colts and Jeff Saturday. Now, I get to say this because on Thursday with, with my brother Kirk, I predicted the Colts would win. I said... We've seen it too many times where the media is laughing at a team and the players always step up. Well, step one was starting Matt Ryan. You got a guy in your roster who's thrown for 62,000 passing yards. Frank Reich wasn't allowed to start Matt Ryan, but Jeff Saturday is. It's kind of a concerning flip-flop from uh, from drunken Jim Ursay on that one. All of this is bad for the Colts. Uh, I know they won, but they... This wasn't Jeff Saturday coming and cleaning in. This this game is Frank Reich's victory as much as it's Jeff Saturday. Everything that he has installed and did for Holder, this is his team doing this. Jeff Saturday didn't come in and erase everybody's memory. Meanwhile, nobody's going to want to work for the Colts with this kind of decision making. The, the Matt Ryan thing makes no sense. Maybe Josh McDaniels would... <laughs> Would take the job now because I think he's going to be uh, out. Going to be a little piglet heading back to the Belichick hog soon enough. Josh McDaniels will be taking that offensive coordinator position back with the Patriots, I'm sure. All right. My name is Miles. We'll see you tomorrow.